This is the Flying Field Podcast. Flying Field Podcast is a service of rcplaneviews.com and the Flying Field blog. This is episode 109, Expo Adventures, Part 2. This episode was produced the week of January 29, 2012. Hello, modelers, and welcome to this edition of the Flying Field Podcast. I'm Jim Mohan. The title of this episode is Expo Adventures, Part 2. As I mentioned last episode, I was able to attend the AMA Expo in Ontario, California. Last time, we talked about the trip and a brief overview of the Expo. We also began a two-part conversation with AMA District 10 Vice President Lawrence Tugas. In this episode, we'll conclude that interview and listen in on a trade show floor conversation I had with Sean Spiker from Hitech. We'll finish up next time with conversations with representatives from Horizon Hobby and YouTube star Pete Young from Banana Hobbies. I hope you'll take time to hear what those folks had to say about their companies and products for 2012. Let's start with a little overview of the Expo trade floor. We entered the trade floor early on Friday afternoon. As we talked about last time, there was a long line of modelers waiting for tickets as we approached the convention center. Having ordered advance tickets online, we headed over to the will call booth and avoided a line of nearly 100 folks queued up at the sales window. Besides saving a couple of bucks on the price of admission, we were able to save probably about a half an hour in line. My recommendation? Go for the advance tickets. The main entrance to the trade floor was watched over by friendly folks from the convention center taking tickets and managing hand stamps for people who were leaving and re-entering the expo floor. Inside the massive hall were nine aisles of booths and display areas. Many vendors occupied several of the booth spaces mapped out on the official program. Along the walls to the right side of the hall, when looking from the entry door, were a number of very nice scale models done by local modelers. The displays along the leftmost wall were the NASA displays and the H1 Racer and XF11 done by Aero Telemetry. Between those two displays was a small stage with a projection screen where the Expo speakers presented. All the speakers were good and their presentations provided a nice break from walking around the trade floor. I particularly liked the presentation by Joe Bach and Greg Hahn who discussed building and flying the Hughes H1 Racer for both the movie The Aviator and the AMA 75th celebration last summer. There were food outlets along the back wall, along with some tables to enjoy your snack or lunch. Near the front was a fairly large area sponsored by Estes Rockets and Gorilla Glue for kids to construct their own little rockets. That area was filled with kids on Saturday afternoon. It was very popular. If you've seen my YouTube video of the expo floor, 
you'll see that it was crowded. It was pointless to try to go anywhere in a hurry. But taking a leisurely stroll was kind of the point of the expo anyway. Representatives at all booths were eager to talk to attendees and describe what their products would do or how using their products could help out the modeler. Horizon Hobby had a big display which had examples of their new AS3X micro models as well as a couple of kiosks running their Phoenix flight sims. Of course, they also had their full line of Spectrum radios out for examination. A few rows over, the Nitroplanes booth was also very popular. Nitroplanes had several booths worth of space and a lot of their foam models on display. Same with the folks from Banana Hobbies. Maxford USA also had a large display with a number of their models on display and for sale. Their version of the Fleischer Storch was very cool. It's a lightweight model with folding wings and an optional set of additional scale features such as a rear-facing machine gun. Unlike the models at Nitroplanes and Banana Hobby, the World War II era Storch is a balsam model covered with a bright yellow covering. You know, it just isn't possible to cover all the vendors at the Expo. It's safe to say that if you are within a few hours of Ontario, the AMA Expo is definitely worth a weekend away from home. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, I chatted with AMA District Vice President Lawrence Tugas. In part two of our interview, Lawrence provided me with some interesting insights into the upcoming FAA rule that they are planning on implementing that will impact model aviation. It's called the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking for Small, Unmanned Aircraft Systems. You may also want to view the videos of the public meeting held at the Expo referenced in the interview. It was with representatives from the FAA. Those videos are on the AMA website at www.modelaircraft.org gov or gov. You can also navigate to that page by going to the AMA website and clicking on the About AMA link at the top right of the main page and then choosing the Government Relations link. Well, let's get started with part two of the interview. Jim, I think it is uh, important that we uh, maybe spend a few minutes talking about the FAA rulemaking. Okay. Uh, There's a session this afternoon on that. Isn't yes, there? the FAA will be having a public session uh, with the Academy this afternoon. Uh, I've been uh, party to some of the uh, closed-door sessions with the FAA. I think, it's, um, I think it's important that we start getting uh, prepared for what the rule may uh, mean to modelers. It is, although the Academy is not privy to what the uh, rule says, the, the public pro or the rulemaking process is uh, kind of a, a frustrating one. It started with a, uh, a public and industry working group that went over the issues and they came up with a recommendation. It's, it's referred to as Advisory Rulemaking Committee, the ARC, mm -hmm. made some recommendations, uh, a written recommendation report to the FAA. Uh, the FAA then goes in-house, they say, and, and develops the rule really uh, without any of the people that are going to be affected by the rule knowing what it's going to say. The process requires that they submit the rule to the public for a, um, 
uh, comment period. Now we are we have had a rolling delay in when the comment period uh, was going to open. Uh, when we were here last year, I, I made a good-natured bet with one of the uh, people that is most closely affected with uh, working with the FAA that we would be at the 2012 Expo and we would not have seen the uh, the rule come out. And he's, oh no, I'm sure it's going to come out. And well, he owes me dinner now. So, <laughs> so, so, and 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 this week, um, you know, we're we're receiving just a little more um, visibility on this issue. It's it's looking like instead of a um, late January February time frame, we are now being told it could be May. My experience, I work uh, I work in the airline industry for a major uh, domestic airline. My experience is the FAA never delivers early on something. So if they tell us it's going to be May, it will not be before May. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know that that's where we're looking at right now. That would just be the rule proposal stage. That's going to be open for public comment. That means anyone can submit comments to the FAA. You know, that doesn't mean the FAA responds and, and, and makes correction to every comment that's made, but the, of course the Academy is going to be making uh, a very serious comment package on the rule. We're going to be communicating with our membership and giving them some tools as to how they could uh, make their own comments for the rule. Really, the, the pushback on this rule, which we as the Academy, and this is our official position, we feel it is an unnecessary and burdensome uh, task that they're going through, that, they're, that, that modeling has got a well-established safety record in the United States, and we simply don't think these rules are required, period. That being said, uh, when they make their proposal, we will have a, a multi-pronged uh, response. We are going to make technical comments back to the uh, rule. We're going to encourage our membership to do the same. We are also going to use all of the political uh, leverage that we can bring to bear on this issue because we think that it's both a technical and a political issue that needs to be addressed. And we'll be talking with the membership about how they can bring their representatives into the the discussion also. And then an election year to boot. And an election year to boot. I, I, uh, uh, you know, we had a... um, uh, we had some success in getting some language in the FAA reauthorization bill. Uh, that's the uh, bill that funds the FAA. And in the uh, reauthorization language, we have a caveat that aero modeling will not be under the purview of the FAA. That is is not been passed yet because the reauthorization bill has been passed. We're hoping that that, uh, that may be an avenue of of uh, relief we find. I, I really don't care how we kill this beast, If whether it's through technical response, political maneuvering. The less influence the FAA has on what we do, I think the better. I don't think they're equipped or knowledgeable on the subject. Mm-hmm. I just, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's something that needs to be done. I do think, though, uh, we need to be prepared for when this rule comes out. I think the expectations of the members need to start being shaped that we are looking at some I think some potentially some burdensome rules in in what they call the basic rule which we'll um, maybe I'll expand on in a minute we're looking at a restriction on the weight of a model and we think it's going to be probably 55 pounds 
we're looking at a restriction on the speed of a model. We think that's, again, in the neighborhood of 100 miles an hour. We think there's going to be restrictions on how close you can operate to a uh, airport, a public, a public airport. Uh, whether that's three, four, or five miles, we don't know. But a circle uh, gets mm-hmm. big exponentially, the, sure. the bigger sure. the radius. So, so th- there's a big difference between three and five miles. Well, and for example, the club I fly in is inside three miles. Mm-hmm. We've had an operating agreement with the FAA. We have a good relationship with air traffic center at that airport. Now what? How many, so, how many operations close because of something like that? So, so right now there is no rule. There's only an advisory circular, and, and they are, by their nature, advisory. They're mm-hmm. not binding on any, any party. But when this rule comes out, it's going to be a binding rule. It's going to be federal law. What we hope we're going to be able to accomplish is to develop a, a modeling standard that, when followed, will allow you to exceed the parameters that I, I've just discussed. But I think we need to be prepared for the possibility that we may not get everything that we need. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a sobering reality. It's, it's one that I can guarantee you that every member of the staff and the executive council work tirelessly to fight back against. This is something that is, has had hundreds of thousands of dollars of the AMA treasury spent opposing to, the, to this point to date. And we're not, we don't even have the rule published yet. So I guess I'd like that one of the takeaways for our, our members to be that there is a significant effort being made on their part to fight this rule. It is, it is in by, sometimes by its nature not made public because, uh, you know, there's, there's some closed-door discussions going on. But I can guarantee you that very serious and dedicated people are working very hard on our membership's behalf to oppose this. It has been worrisome. I've read and listened to some of the AMA's podcasts that they have available and and many of the articles that have been written. And there are interesting tools out there, you know, websites that you can direct your members to that forward messages to members of Congress and and do all of that stuff. And and I know that the political team that the AMA's assembled is probably well aware of those kinds of... uh, of actions, and then, then hopefully the members take it seriously. And I think uh, they do. I just, I, I, I don't care what it takes to beat it back, whether it's through a technical comment or through political pressure or embarrassing public relations. I, I don't care what it takes to push back. I think we have to uh, bring all, everything we have to bear on the subject. Mm-hmm. So. Very good. Well, thanks for bringing that up. I had uh, intended to include that as one of the questions, so I'm glad that you were able to uh, to circle back. That's Happy to do it. Clearly, one of the uh, the burning issues that we've got going on right now. So, as we bring this kind of conversation to a close, what's been your favorite part of the expo so far? Uh, my favorite part of the expo are the uh, people who do the presentations. Uh, we've got a good uh, group of people, a uh, uh, gentleman who uh, built some large-scale models for the uh, movie The Aviator. Uh, Joe Brock is here. There's I heard him yesterday. What a great presentation does, that was. Does a very good job, along with Greg Hahn, our technical director. Greg flew the uh, 50% scale uh, H1 racer at our 75th anniversary this summer, last summer of 2011 in Muncie. 
Uh, we've also got a uh, gentleman, I, I don't have the program here, so I'm a little at a loss for, for names. We have an air show pilot that's here. He's got a very interesting, uh, very interesting uh, discussion about how modeling is applied towards his uh, profession as an air show pilot. His name's Skip Stewart. We also, uh, one that I, I have not seen yet that I want to go see, though, is uh, we have a presentation on flying the NASA droid put on by uh, Hoot Gibson and, and some of the folks working at NASA, and that's, that's very interesting also. So, you know, it's always nice to go in and see all the goodies, but if, uh-huh. you, if you take 25 minutes, you can sit down and listen to somebody, rest your feet, and you'll have a good time. So I like that. I like it a lot. Uh, I like meeting the uh, myself. I like I try very hard to get out and make as much contact as I can with our membership. Uh, I think that's really, you asked me about some of my duties. I think mm-hmm. one of my primary duties is just getting out and meeting people and finding out what they're doing, what's important to them, and, and, and just having a dialogue with them. Well, I have taken more time than I had planned uh, to chat with you, but it's been such an interesting conversation. Thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. For uh, agreeing to meet with me, and, uh, and I appreciate it. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. You bet. Thank you much. I really appreciated Lawrence taking some time to visit with me during the expo. It was interesting to learn about the role of the elected district VPs and Lawrence's insight into the FAA process. I also had the chance to speak with Sean from HiTech. It's a somewhat noisy interview as it was done on the expo floor during the height of the activity. I'm a big fan of Multiplex and HiTech, so I was very interested to hear about what they have in the works for 2012. Let's listen in. Sean, Jim Mohan here. What's going on with HiTech in 2012? Well, we got some new stuff coming out. Uh, something that's brand new for us is we're going to have the HiTech branded uh, foam airplane, so using the same LF4 foam. Uh, some of the planes are going to look pretty familiar at first. They'll okay. be uh, kind of the high-tech version of the Easy Start 2. That'll be called the Sky Scout, or probably be called the Sky Scout, so nothing set in stone just yet. Okay. But basically it'll be the high-tech branded Easy Start 2. Mm-hmm. It'll come in three different flavors. One that is the kind of our version of the receiver ready, where it'll, it'll have motor and servos. You add your receiver, add your battery. And we have a little break here for a public address announcement that drowned out the interview. Okay, so we were talking about the Sky Scout. So there'll be three different versions. One will be, it's called the H2Go, and that's high-tech to go. So that'll be, uh, it'll come with receiver, battery. Uh, you basically bind it to your high-tech radio. Okay. There's the R2Go, and that'll be basically you're ready to fly. It'll come with a transmitter, come with a battery, come everything installed. Like I said, it's ready to fly. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be the th- final one. We'll have uh, everything but a receiver and a battery. Kind of the version of the current RR for multiplex. Okay. All right. So um, the object is to actually have high tech start manufacturing the things where we can offer maybe a little better price and uh, not have to wait so long to get the stuff from Germany. Ah. Okay. So uh, you know when they say slow boat, it is a slow boat from Germany. So. Um, yeah. But uh, and also high tech will will start to do some of their own planes too with the expertise and the help from the Germans that you know. 
far as designing and making the molds and things like that. Take their expertise, but have it built in the facilities at high tech. Um, have a few more airplanes that hit the market than just the, the usual three airplanes a year that we see from Multiplex. But again, maybe a little better price point, uh, a little better availability, things like that, just to uh, just to have some more airplanes out there. Maybe some scale stuff too, yeah. which is. Uh, which I have a lot of Multiplex planes and. Uh, and a couple of other foam brands, and one of the things I think sounds like an advantage is the fact that it's got high-tech equipment. Absolutely. You know, I end up pulling out stuff and yep. putting in high-tech yep. equipment, yep. and so, so that's got to be an yeah, advantage. Yeah, you know, easy enough. Hey, it's same same factory. We can just put the servos in there to start with. So right. yeah, no, it's it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it, and again, offer some more. Uh, you know, different types of airplanes have a little more uh, influence as far as which airplanes they, they bring to market. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see some scale things, I'd love to see some warbirds. Maybe we'll see that here pretty soon from the high-tech brand of airplanes. Yeah, that's certainly been one of the things about high-tech. There have been some real car multiplex, some fun airplanes. Like I say, I've got a bunch of them, but yeah. but they're not uh, warbirds, they're yeah, not that kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. You know, the, the dogfighter, which is new for multiplex, it's kind of scale, but it's not any exact airplane. But, I mean, the performance out of the dogfighter is second to none. I mean, mm -hmm. That's when you, we love flying in the kind of the warbird all, you throw them all up in the air, in the air at once and you kind of crash into each other. With the Elapor foam and the, and the just the superior speed and performance, we just basically slice through the other airplanes and keep flying. So we've had a good time with those so far. Mm -hmm. Now the other big thing going on with a lot of brands is, is telemetry. Yep. What is, uh, what are some of the things on the horizon with uh, high tech and telemetry? We just started shipping our new blue system which has the amperage, the additional amperage and the additional voltage sensors. Um, there should be a, a pitot tube, a vario, uh, maybe a some uh, some data from the electronics on board that's fed back through the telemetry. So we're, we're still working on more. Uh, I wish it could come out a little sooner, but mm -hmm. it's kinda, we may not always be first in the market, but we usually uh, we come to the party with the prettiest girl on our, on our shoulders. Yeah, that's great, that's great. Well, thanks a lot for, uh, for visiting with me. As I mentioned last episode, if you'd like a sense of what the expo was like, take a look at the short video overview I made and have posted to my YouTube channel. Search for AZGYM12. That's A-Z-J-I-M-1-2. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Flying Field Podcast. Links to the AMA Government Relations page, a photo of my interview with Lawrence Tugas, and my video can be found on the show notes for this episode, which is number 109. Look for them at www flyingfieldblog.rcplaneviews.com. Click on the podcast category on the right side of the page. Until next time, I'm Jim Mohan. Happy modeling and fly safe.